Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is Pathfinder 208 Online versus In Real Life. Now, when I say online, I'm talking about playing over some sort of voice chat like, I don't know, Skype or, or Roll20. For like stuff like play by post or play by email or play by forum and all that stuff, that's something we'll cover that in an episode way later. We just don't have a lot of experience with that. So we want to get some more experience, maybe bring on a guest when we get to that subject. But right now we're just talking about online voice chat. And this is something both Caleb and I have experience with. We both have GM'd and played in uh, campaigns that were you know, in person, in real life, and we have both GM'd and played in sessions that were over uh, some sort of tool like Roll20. So what are what is this Roll20 you keep talking about? Roll20 is simply a website that has a neat little way of representing um, things like battle maps. It has built-in voice chat. It has built-in capabilities for a lot of things related to Pathfinder and other RPGs. It allows you to find other people interested in playing. And when you're finally playing, you play inside this little environment where there's a map and everyone has their little tokens that they can move on the map and the GM can draw on the map. And then there's a little chat box to the side where people can put in what they're doing. You can type stuff up and you can roll dice on that system. When you play in real life, you have like Everybody has a character sheet in front of them. Actually, you know, in my sessions, they often had a laptop that had their character sheet in front of them. A battle mat, which is a square grid that has, um, you could put like um, miniatures on there. And, and all the rules given in the cool rule book assume you have a battle mat. They talk about five feet spaces of movement. They talk about uh, attacks of opportunity. How do you measure the width of certain explosion spells? Things like that. That's all explained assuming you have a battle map. So when you play online, say through Skype, like I've done major the majority of my online campaign, you don't have those tools. And that's what Roll20 provides. It tries to make almost, quote unquote, a virtual desktop for you, a virtual table, as it were. So when we talk about online, we're going to talk about both having a tool like Roll20 and not just using Skype or any sort of audio program. We're just going to say Skype because that's what I've been using. Listen, Ventrilo still exists. We all know that. There's TeamSpeak. These things exist, but those things generally exist to give you less quality so that you use less bandwidth so when you play your game, you don't lag. And there's Dolby Axon, something I've been asked to download before. Ooh. <laughs> uh, you can also play without a mat in real life. Maybe that's something we want to cover doing that in another episode, maybe? Yeah, surely that is something that, that can be done, but I think uh, anytime I've played in real life, I've always used a mat. Uh, I should say a map for battle for maybe major locations. I don't draw a map for every bar they go into. <laughs> Some people do. It has to be in immaculate detail. <laughs> there's exactly seven seats along the row of the bar, and there's eight tables with four <laughs> seats apiece, except the one in the corner. Now listen, some people really enjoy making mats, uh, maps, and there's also, when you buy boxes or pre-made maps, there's stuff that's already, like, I already have pre-made for me an in so why not why don't take it out there's things like that of course the mats i've generally used in my past have been um those just white whiteboard kind of things where you can draw on them wipe off but if you guys want to know more about those little accoutrement we'll be doing a whole episode in our 300 series advanced topics all about mats and miniatures i'm gonna talk all about that now but right now this episode's about in real life versus online and how the difference uh plays there's a lot of reasons you would do one or another sometimes you play online because you choose to sometimes it's force of circumstance um 
I personally had to move one campaign online because I was playing it out of college. One of the people graduated and moved back home, and they couldn't make it anymore, so we were basically forced to move to an online environment rather than have someone drive two hours every week to play in our campaign. I, uh, I've played and I've preferred to play in real life, but when I decided to do Trailblazers to record a session, I didn't have the equipment necessary to record an in real life thing. Uh, some people do, but it's expensive. You need several mics or, uh, like a boom mic and things like this. It's, it's very, it gets expensive quick if you don't have friends that already have these things. So I did online over Skype because that makes it very easy to record. My players, all they needed was microphones and I had all the tools and software needed to record and that's why i went online uh especially with trailblazers and also allowed me when i was recruiting to not worry about location so much time zone was like the biggest consideration now finding finding i want to talk about finding games in real life versus online in real life for me anyway my experience has just been friends i knew personally and i said let's get together and play and so we did and while we were playing they invited other of their friends that's the way i mostly played my in real life games uh but there has been a time when i didn't have any games and i wanted to play one i wasn't i didn't feel like jamming i wanted to be a player and i didn't know any gyms uh, at the moment that wanted to play with me or i only was going through one and it wasn't enough i need i need more games christian i need more <laughs> I'm so addicted. H- honey, are you g- are you going to come to bed later? Go away. Don't bother me. Oh, okay. And my wife runs away. Um <laughs> but um I posted online uh, on Reddit, which is like one of the only times I ever used Reddit. Gosh. Uh, as we as we settled before, I'm a funny junk guy. Listen, I'm still 12 oh, at heart. I still have that immature little part inside me that says, "Go to funny junk." And I and I listen to it. Gosh darn, do I listen to it. Uh, but I went to Reddit, and there's like a um, uh, looking for group Reddit, and I posted there. And Paizo has a website uh, where you can – they have like a million forms. Have you ever seen the forms on Paizo's site? Yeah. It's it's unsearchable. There's too much yeah. information overload. It's like the whole idea that no one ever goes to the third page of a Google result, but there is a million pages of results, right? There's so much information, you'll not see it all. Uh, they have a million different topics and subjects, but I went there to looking for group, and that is actually where I found a group, a, a place near me in Jersey, and, and I went over, and that's the only other time, only other way I found an in-real-life group. So friends, or you can. there's different resources online where you can post. There's also the option of your local gaming store. They typically have a night where they play Pathfinder or maybe play Pathfinder Society. You can go there, maybe join one of those sessions, and then make friends with those people, find out who play off to the side, not when they're at the local gaming store. Definitely. That's a thing I haven't done, but I've heard a lot of people do. And I think that depends entirely on like your local meta, I guess we'll call it, your local gaming store environment. And you know, I find that a lot of the people that seem to be attracted i'm going to stereotype here for a moment to this kind of game would be introverts and i find it surprising that they'd be willing to just go find strangers at a random game shop yeah true but hey listen it's 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 got a wealth of heritage of people we're not introverts right (laughs) right right yeah that's true right (laughs) right (laughs) we're you believe that of me i (laughs) um as for online why don't you talk about roll 20 because roll 20 i found so far is the best way to find an online game so Roll20, finding a game is really interesting. You actually put in the game system you want to find a game for. It's like a little search function. You put in all the credentials. You put in the game system you want. You put in the time zone that you're available in. You put in the language you want to play in. You can even have different language options. And then you just hit search, and it will show you all the games that people 
have put onto the website and they're saying, I'm looking for people. We're going to be playing this game during this time frame. Message me if you'd like to join. I'm looking for this many people. There's this many open slots. It's going to be this kind of game, these kind of rules. It can be a little difficult because there's a lot of people scrambling to get into stuff. But when you find something, it's typically not that hard to actually search through them. It looks like a GM's market. Yeah, it's a good way to describe it. Uh, the, we've met, we're going to keep mentioning Skype and Roll20. We're not sponsored by anybody. These are just tools that we've most often used and, and are familiar with. There are other tools other than Roll20. I know there's a program you can actually buy and personally download onto your computer. And I think you share that with your other players. I don't remember what it's called. I've seen it before. But there, keep in mind that there are other options other than Roll20. So most of my online experience has come from Trailblazers, GMing Trailblazers, where I, where once a week we get on and we play over Skype and we use video so that we can get visual cues. You'll be surprised at how important video can be when it comes to not interrupting each other and things like that. I mean, even with it, we cut it out, but me and Caleb interrupt each other all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was tempted to cut him off there just to make his point. I'm glad you did. <laughs> You're welcome. But I have recently got some more online experience. Over the past maybe month, I have used Roll20 heavily to play five different sessions in Roll20. So that went, that went from I never used Roll20 in my life to having to set up the profile and go through it and play. And then generally, I know Roll20 has the ability to use audio and, and video, but every game I went into, people wanted to use Skype. I don't know what that says about oh. <laughs> Roll20's audio quality. Uh, it's tells the truth of Roll20's audio quality, or at least what I've seen from Roll20's audio okay. quality. Um, it's complete garbage. It randomly crashes if you use their audio and video. Um, every time I've used Roll20, it's been the same thing. Everyone says, just use Skype, use Discord, use literally anything. <laughs> but their built-in Java Flash video audio thing. It, it's very interesting where things have natively have audio components i uh, like starcraft 2 when it came out it's like it was a big selling point you can talk in the game because you know starcraft 1 was like everything was typing even like commands there was no menus you had it slash join channel you know <laughs> slash block this person and we're like oh we can talk online and the audio quality was so terrible i'm like what is everyone 12 years old with are they talking in that they're old uh what's that, that like barbie microphone where they can do karaoke oh gosh <laughs> this is terrible let's go back to skype please everyone skype something about uh native stuff like that it's no good no good it's because that's not all you're doing this is all skype and ventrilo are doing you know so right. they get to do it well uh quote unquote well there's plenty of problems skype has but let's get into some of the main differences let's talk about combat when you're when you're having combat in real life generally we're going to assume you're going to be the kind of person that uses mats and you're using the miniatures and so that you can see I have 30 feet of movement so I move so many squares and this is the target of he's 30 feet away from me I can count the squares to do my range and stuff all that this is all available when you're playing in real life and it makes it easy to do that when you're playing on a tool like roll 20 um, this is one of the places where I think roll 20 has the leg up or playing online has a leg up if you're using a tool like roll 20 in real life you got you got to have maybe the bestiary out or maybe you have to have your laptop out with a character sheet on it for the npc they're fighting and you need to have your dice out and you need to have enough dice to roll that 10d6 fireball right. on roll 20 you can have all that stuff open just in your window without taking up all the space on your desk that it does in real life 
there's a dice rolling tools that make rolling multiple dice and adding numbers up very easy. Um, the big seller for me playing online is that there are tools that measure the distance between tokens. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ask anymore, like, am I close enough for point blank shot? Does my spell reach this far? There are tools that you can use that, you know, say there is 15 feet between you and this target. You can draw stuff in very easily. It, it cuts out on a lot of the space counting that you do in real life a lot. It's really easy to represent areas of spells and things like that. In real life, when I need to do something like I need to draw the map, right, I usually do it with like four different color markers and it just kind of gives the outline of it. In Roll20, you can really have well-drawn maps. I think you can even buy them if you want, uh, if not make if not make them yourself and when i want to do like you can't see this part because you haven't gotten into this room yet in real life i have to take like a black piece of paper and put it over the battle map when you already have a map prepared and roll 20 per se or whatever tool you're using you can do what's called fog of war and just cover up areas of the map and say that the players can't see this yet and on your screen you can still see any everything but on the player's screens there'll just be darkness around that room that you covered up it makes it very easy to do it on the fly in real life i've got to pick a token or print out a little piece of paper that kind of like my character maybe not exactly Roll20 has a little marketplace built in with all these tokens you can search through and pick from. There's a host of free tokens, which aren't the greatest, and you can there's a marketplace where you can buy more tokens, or you can just upload your own. You can find a picture, you can draw a picture, and you can just, you know, go into any program you have that edits pictures, cut it to the correct proportions, and just upload it to Roll20 and use that. And in that way, every character that's I've ever played on Roll20 has been Gary Busey. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like unique and easily identifiable. No, uh, Gary he Busey. is unique and easily identifiable, Christian. I don't know who you're thinking about, but I'm thinking about Gary freaking Busey. When you're in real life, though, one of my favorite parts about playing in real life and why it really is something that I enjoy doing a lot is being able to interact person to person, seeing all their body movements. Skype, you get like a torso, right? Being able to, to really interact with people. There's times when something's really important or uh, a big scene and I'll actually have them physically acted out. I've, I've been interrogated as like five different villains where I've been tied to a chair, quote unquote, and they were interrogating me. When I did a character based on Hannibal Lecter, you better believe I pretended to be in a straitjacket in a cell. I mean, come on. That's not so much can be done in, in real life. Uh, I mean, online. Yeah, it's like two totally different worlds playing with video online and without video online. Mm-hmm. Just physical cues are really, really important. Just not to cut each other off like me and Caleb mentioned earlier. If you play without video online, um, sometimes you're just waiting. You're like, do I talk yet? I don't want to cut them off. Are they done? Definitely. Are they still talking? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait still waiting and i like to make a lot of jokes and online i've several times i've made a joke and it hasn't gone off and i have to say it real quick all right guys that was just a joke i didn't really mean that make sure nobody's offended i wasn't really insulting him that was a joke about me or whatever uh in real life most people can they can at least tell it was a joke even if it bombed i find it really varies person to person when it comes to role playing some people are more likely to role play online because maybe they're less uh, they feel less insecure because people can't see them, so it's just the voice, yep. and they might be more likely to get into role-playing. Some people might not be as into it. They may not be able to get as engrossed um, being out of person rather in person. Now, online, if you don't have Roll20, which I don't have for Trailblazers, uh, 
imagination is 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 the biggest part of the game of course it's a big part of game no matter where you're in real life or not but especially when we're talking about combat here since i don't have a battle mat or everything you should you should know how much i edit out of trailblazers of me just repeating or trying to redescribe to make sure everybody understands where everybody is on the battlefield or moving literally like i cut out maybe half or more of a battle a lot of like um stuff like that but a lot of that is just describing and like oh he's here oh no no i thought he was over here and stuff like that it can be uh, a lot of difficult very difficult when you don't have a battle mat or uh, uh online battle mat to to put people in for combat attacks of opportunity really are something interesting you know this is interesting occasionally i would bring my players from trailblazers into real life i don't call them over to my house i bring them out of the computer and i brought them in <laughs> uh to play because we had a significant combat coming up. Matter of fact, the next episode of Trailblazers coming out March 1st, there's going to be a portion there where I have to summarize because there was an important combat that I could not possibly do online. So I had them come over to my house. Um, it's just like because it was like a, a big final combat with a boss and stuff like that. So that just makes it, it it's, it's difficult, but it's something you got to deal around. But when they came over to play, attacks of opportunity confused them because the way I use it, like in game, I tell them when an attack of opportunity happens. Like I'm over here. I'm like, all right, he's next to you. That's going to cause an attack opportunity. Sure. Uh, let me think about it. Yeah. Or no. But when we were doing the, the mat, I sent, I spent maybe like 15 minutes trying to communicate to them this is what an attack of opportunity is you moved out of his threatened square and because we had a larger creature on the board i had to explain well this is also his threatened square and it was just it just doesn't some things don't translate as well over to just the realm of imagination uh, something i hinted at but didn't explicitly say before is that having multiple different you know, bestiary pages and NPC pages up is much easier. Granted, you have a computer, say, with multiple monitors, like my setup. I mm. have three monitors personally. Oh, oh so brag about I, it some more. Brag about it some I more. What else you got? Have, What's your core I, processor like, huh? How many cores you got? I sometimes have four monitors and I'm feeling extra spicy. PC elitist. Um, but, you know, having roll 20 on my main screen and then having, you know, an enemy... Uh, having like a whole browser with tabs for spells I'm going to be looking at or enemies are going to be encountering that day or anything like that. And then having another monitor open for anything I might need to look up later makes a lot of the book work a lot easier online versus in real life when you got all your dice there and you may or may not be using a laptop with you or a tablet or something like that. Yeah, we, we definitely moved to everyone using a laptop at the, the table because there was just stuff like Hero Lab using Hero Lab, we able to look up the bestiary and all the wonderful stuff Paizo puts online uh, is is almost a, necess a necessity to me now. Obviously, you can do it with the books like you're saying, but it's what I do now. Even in real life, I use a laptop. When you have a tabletop game, you need a table, and uh, that's not always the easiest thing to find. And a shirt. <laughs> and a shirt? A top. A table. Oh, and a top. please. All right. You see, I didn't have videos. So I didn't know it was a joke. I just He's just a crazy person. Just, and now I'm offended. You see what happened? Because he didn't have his video on. Like, I could see the pain <laughs> on your face when you realize. Um, yes. You I savored it. <laughs> we often call them tablecloths, but you be you, Christian. You be you. <laughs> uh, um, but when you, I did not have a big table. I had this antique 
kitchen table that I had to put like a leaf in it to make it big enough and still we were all like especially when we started using laptops we were crunched in there on top of that we were trying to get the battle mat I'm like everybody move your computers we gotta use the battle mat now everybody move your crap and food see when you play online you can you don't have to worry about travel food and stuff you already have that stuff at home it's just like turn on here we are and then we play and then I go or if I have to go to the bathroom whatever everything's right here I'm good to go there's no not a lot of preparation uh, that you have to do since everybody can do their own at the home when you play in real life it's like all right I want to meet for four hours let's say and so that we have to realize that it's still good it's going to take five hours of your time because you got to drive here for 30 minutes and drive back for 30 minutes um you who's going to bring food and snacks i gotta make sure my place is clean or whoever's place is having it is clean make sure i have again like a table or something uh the guy i played with online this is this is where it gets the older you are the better your your have your um hobbies can be the guy i found online using paizo's website he was uh at a good point in his life he owned a business he was uh he was married but had no kids so he had a good portion of expendable income and a nice house a big gaming stage i was like whoa look at this room it's so awesome meanwhile the christian in the group had to meet in my place it's like everybody come down to the uncarpeted basement the unfinished basement (laughs) it's dark and you can barely see anything the only reason we're meeting here is because it's the summer and it's cool in the basement at least he's got a table and that table i got donated for Wait, Caleb, aren't you married and with no kids? Yes, but I do not have a good job. I do not own my own <laughs> business. As a matter of fact, I just got finished with school, and guess what I'm doing? Going back to school. Yay for masters. He is beyond his education, and he's at a good point in his life where uh, that investment has paid off. I'm still making the investment. Listen, snacks are important, and if you're going to meet in real life, I better get some snacks, all I'm saying. <laughs> you know and listen you don't know maybe i haven't showered in nine days you don't know christian because we're on skype real life i gotta shower i gotta look good i gotta be a normal human being i just like that i just like being normal <laughs> i'm looking at you in skype now and i'm realizing your hair has a slight sheen to it and i'm wondering if that's clean or grease <laughs> that's a Ita- that's 100 grade a italian grease son you don't wash your hair for one day you can put your hand in there squeeze it out you got olive oil <laughs> the the curse of italian hair Welcome, everyone, to today's game show. Last we left off, you had control of the board. David, go ahead and pick a category. I'll take weak spots for 600, Caleb. I already told you that isn't a category. In that case, I'll take things that don't fit in castles for 400. All right, for $400, here's the answer. This massive thing won't fit into a castle. Dom. What is a dragon? That is correct. All right, we surveyed 100 people. Top five answers are on the board. We come across an obviously important character who I've spent hours preparing as a critical pivot point to the story. What do you do? Yes, David. I shoot him in the face. That is correct. And that means you have reached the million dollar question. Here we go. David, for a million dollars. This podcast is an entertaining podcast where a couple of friends get together, hang out, and play the tabletop RPG Pathfinder together. Is it A, the Trailblazers Actual Play Podcast? B, Pathfinder Academy, an informative podcast about the same game? C, the Trailblazer Network on iTunes, where you can find both of these shows and more? Or D, more information on our website at tblazer.net? I don't know, that's a tough one. I'd like to phone a friend. All right, let's get Dom on the line. Dom, I'm stuck here. Can you help me out? I sure can. The answer's A, the Trailblazers podcast. Is that your final answer? Yes, A, the Trailblazers podcast. That's correct! And everyone's a winner because everyone can listen to the Trailblazers podcast every Tuesday right here on the Trailblazer Network. 
because the only thing nerdier than playing RPGs is listening to shows about people playing RPGs. So as a GM, you're going to have to do some things differently, whether or not you're an online or in real life. Uh, in real life, let me tell you how much I use props a lot. I've got this dumb pistol that I got. You know what? I'll finally tell the story. I'm going to give you guys a little treat. I haven't told nobody. I have this pistol. It's like a the quote, quote, flintlock pistol, but it's a plastic toy, right? My wife and I, we got, when we, in our honeymoon, we went to Florida, Vero Beach, uh, at this like a Disney hotel place, right? And in there, they had a little store. And in that store was that flintlock pistol, a bunch of toys for obviously kids. And I wanted it because I'm immature and never will grow up. And I was like, I was telling my wife, Tori, I'm like, I want, I want this, but I'm embarrassed to buy it. And she, and you know what she did? She goes, I got this. I got this, Caleb. And we went, she was pick it out and went to the thing. And when we went up to the, to the cash register to buy it, she looked at me. She goes, Caleb, our kid is going to love this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he really will. And we bought it and we walk out the store. I'm like, I love you, honey. I'm so happy I married you. Look how smart you are. I'm like, our kid will love this. <laughs> like, hold it. <laughs> wow. I think the important thing to pull out of that is that you just assume you're going to have a son. <laughs> <laughs> you're assigning genders to your Wow. I think baby. the important thing to pull out is I didn't mention a gender. You just assume only boys can play with guns. Oh, reversed it. No, you said he's going to love it. Listen, I don't want to hear your truth. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, I have a pistol I bring out. I have like different things that look like vials. And I don't have them. We're not LARPing here, right? I don't have everyone dress up and I have a sword and the caster has like fake magic. So I don't do anything like that. I don't bring that magic powder stuff that magicians use that lights on fire for a second. I <laughs> but I have a couple little things and I just find it, it helps them a little bit of immersion. Not talking down on LARPing. LARPing's cool. I've never LARPed in my life. Not once. Have you? No. I know people who have. I personally have never LARPed. Well, you know what? When we have to do a LARP episode at some point. <laughs> That's when we'll move to our YouTube channel and we'll film it all. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously online, uh, you don't get so much props, but you can use more accurate pictures for your characters, tokens and stuff like that for your characters. And especially yeah. if you're not using video, all you have to think about is what the stuff that's been described, the fantasy-esque stuff. The only props you would use online or I've used is pictures of things to more accurately set an image in someone's head. And um, notes are very easy to hand out. You just make like a Google Doc and share it with someone or you whisper them, whatever the message is. Um, But it's not necessarily you have to do different things to prepare to play online, but how you do them is very different. And a lot of people make the mistake of thinking, we'll just play online. It'll be a lot easier. There's a lot of aspects of it that are easier playing online, but the entirety of it is definitely not easy. It is actually really time-consuming to make a really, really prepared session to play online on something like Roll20. Um, Like I said, I played on Roll20, we were playing in person, then we moved over Roll20 after someone moved. I was, um, and I still am doing Rise of the Ruin Lords, which is a Paizo adventure path. It's one of the most infamous ones, and... Everything was already online, like, the community had made maps for the majority of the game that you would encounter, and they had revised stat blocks, and they had pictures and JPEGs of notes that you would encounter inside, and I was like, wow, everything's already done for me, this isn't gonna take, like, any time at all, I'll just toss it on roll 20 and call it a day. It's not how it works at all. <laughs> I had to learn how to use, like, Photoshop or GIMP, depending on the computer I'm on, to just converting maps. Even though I already had the pictures of these maps, I had to convert them. I had to move 
them, make them the right size, upload them to Roll20, manage the space I had on Roll20 to actually upload stuff, make sure that the grid fit, because for some reason, people make maps to use on Roll20, and they put black lines on there to represent the grids, but they don't line up with the black lines that are already on Roll20. Please, if you are out there, and you, I love you personally, if you make maps for Roll20, thank you for your time and effort. I appreciate it. But please, upload it without the black lines so I can just put it on Roll20 and not have to worry about it conflicting with the actual lines in Roll20. You have no idea the hours of time I have spent trying to fit maps to the black lines in Roll20 just saying, forget it. It's just going to be all skew. You guys are just going to have to figure it out. I'm done. I'm so done with this. <laughs> wow. And you know what? That's, that, that reflects the same amount of time you'll have to spend in real life if you're drawing your own maps, if you're not just buying pre-made maps, which one time I ever used a pre-made map was when I had the starter edition when I first got into D&D. Um, when I went to Pathfinder, I just draw my own maps now. But um, you, you, a good, maybe not I should say a good GM, but a lot of GMs like to spend time and map making is important to them because as we talked about in our earlier episode, making good encounters maps are very important the combat field is as important as the beasts you put in it for your players to fight so i spent a lot of time making it and when i went from drawing simple lines to making it more intricate my players reacted at how much better it was and how much they more they enjoyed it so spending the time to make maps ahead of the ahead of time is the same amount of time that you're gonna have to spend online like what christian was talking about with maps online you're not really saving a ton of time uh, by going online unless you're doing what you can do in real life anyway, which is just draw on the, the whiteboard D20, uh, Roll20 gives you. I can just draw on the mat at the time that I have if you want. And sometimes you have to. Sometimes it's like I was not expecting them to go to the graveyard at all, ever. I guess I got to draw a graveyard now. And when that happens, remember, it is much easier to freehand things with a marker on a mat in real life than it is to freehand anything with a mouse mm-hmm. and clicking like it's Microsoft Paint. Go ahead. Try and draw a square right now. Try to draw a square best you can freehand with a mouse. See how straight the lines come out. It It's not good. Unless you're like familiar with these things, it's probably not going to end up looking that good. Even so, it's why artists, digital artists use a trackpad. Exactly. If you're a digital artist, like, go online, exploit that. Like, you can do some great stuff online, but if you're not a digital artist, map making is a pretty big problem on Roll20 and online. And I don't want to so much call it as a problem as it's just, it's it's the same effort that you're going to have to expect to make anywhere else. Maybe differently, but still it's going to be the same thing. When you play online also, something you'll have to do differently, not necessarily differently as a GM, but something you'll have to watch out for or be more vigilant for is people goofing off um, on their other monitors, which is really, really hard to do over the internet. In real life, you can look at someone, see that they're not engaged, and, you know, change something to involve them, or talk to them about it, or do something about it, and it's easy to recognize. But I think online, we talked about that in GM Basics, about, like, the guy, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm pl- we're, we're playing a game right now, can you get off of Bioshock, or whatever he was doing? Yeah, <laughs> but online, like, if you're not using video cameras, you might even notice, but people can just go to their other monitor, and go to Reddit, go to YouTube, and just put on their headphones, and you'll have no idea that they're not engrossed in the story. I've been guilty of it myself. Something was uh, really boring, so I, I popped up funny junk while it was going on. I've done it. I mean, I'm not proud of it. I said I'm not proud of my mistakes. <laughs> I'd be like that, you know, like when golfers have to apologize for something terrible they did or any sports person. It's like, I did it. I, I, it, was, it was a bad decision. And then we're like, oh, yeah, he, he said sorry. And then we move on. 
I've done it. Oh, I've done it all the time. Are you kidding? I have my Nintendo 3DS like nearby to play Super Smash Brothers when I get bored. <laughs> Some people's combat turns take way too long. It's true. In Trailblazers, uh, word he would play games while we were playing and there's different reasons for that he has add adhd actually well add or adhd i don't know but uh regardless see he often needs to have another stimuli going on to even pay attention uh but it's just that's just what happens man it's something you got to deal with if you're playing an online game when i'm playing an online game like when i do trailblazers uh since we have video we're all looking at each other and we're all doing it and and there's times when i've caught i'm like uh, David, you look at something up. He goes, "Oh yes, yeah, sorry," and then whatever. He like because <laughs> you can just see their eyes trail off to the right, or like just look like they're looking past the monitor, past you, past the world. I'm like, David, <laughs> it's your turn. Oh yeah, right. That I mean, it happens. You got to. I was I, just I, practicing my thousand yard stare. Right. Yeah. Maybe he killed somebody. I don't know his past. <laughs> <laughs> he's just role-playing really well. We killed that guy, and he doesn't know what to do about it. He's, he's fighting with those internal feelings. <laughs> Be prepared to describe things more, especially if you're not using Rule 28, like in Trailways, if you're just using Skype. You just got to describe some things more. And, you know, that kind of turns on it. You know how, like, if I describe something, the players are all like, oh, he described... Like, in, in your example about the pillar in, in Making Good Encounters, oh, he described the pillar. There must be something important about the pillar. we got to go destroy that pillar. Uh, when you're playing online, that is less of a thing. Uh, you can still because make you're it... you're describing literally everything. Right. You can make it a thing if you describe something over and over again. Like, there's a fire in the corner, and, and these guys are doing all this stuff, and the room looks like... Something. And there's a fire in the corner, and then there's a... F- and the glow from the <laughs> fire in the corner is going under the room. Like, they'll get that. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. But generally, you just... You have to describe everything. And, and I think in real life, you don't have to do it quite as much. But I find that genuine, real character role-playing, I have found is easier to do in real life than online. That may not be true for everyone, but personally, that's my feelings on how I do it. Uh, as a player, as a GM, I, I find no difference, honestly. But as a player, just being able to to put my body into it um, and and having the other player reacting off of them as well, there's a lot of communication that you do not... There's a lot of communication that you do non-verbally, like hitting your mic. No, uh, <laughs> and like when we just did our last episode on romance with Kyle Ferguson. Listen, to that. if you haven't listened to it, by the way, guys, we had a great guest, Kyle Ferguson, last episode, two of seven romance. It was a great episode. But uh, my only real romantic um, interaction as a player was with a person in real life. There's a lot of things that you do. Uh, my wife can tell me it's fine. And then with her entire body tell me, it's not fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> Things like that happen. Each is different just by the, the inflection of your voice. And then when you add the body into it, it's all it makes it it makes it more important. It, it gives you more to, to work off of and play off of. It's somebody like me who wants to be that thespian that we talked about in player types uh in um yeah, player types in conflict. Like you mentioned earlier, missing out on the gestication moving your hand i like move my hands all the time when i talk and i feel like it adds something to the meaning of the words i say maybe it does maybe it doesn't i'm not sure but also your facial expression is really big we have a lot of moments in real life where we simply convey things through facial expressions not through actual words and things like that like you can look over someone will be talking to an npc and you'll look over another character and like raise your eyebrow and they'll also raise your eyebrow and like you just had that moment where it's like okay this guy's weird we don't like him we didn't actually have to say anything on an online campaign uh, that gets like published on Twitch and on YouTube. They have videos and all that stuff. And uh, there was like a whole running gag for a whole season of like 50 sessions. That's exaggerating. Maybe 20 sessions where he would go. I give John a look, a look that says, don't go near the witch. She's going to kill us. 
And they ended up like making jokes like they have their own language, their language called the look and where they can just communicate by giving each other looks because you can't actually do that uh, when, when you're not in real life. And, and now we're bleeding into the territory of things that players have to do differently. Uh, not only GMs, all the players are going to have to deal with that, not just the GM. Something um, that wasn't a problem with for me, but was a problem for some of my players is that if you move to an online or you're doing an online campaign, most of your materials have to be prepared in a digital format. A lot of people keep physical character sheets for all their items and such. Um, the GM's probably going to really want to be able to see your character sheet and things like that. So you're going and your backstory as well. I had people who actually like mm-hmm. typed their backstory out on like Microsoft Word, printed it out, and handed it to me. Now they have to convert it in a way that they can actually give me it. Like they can send it to me over Skype or something, or send it right. to me over Facebook. And you know you you have to little have a little bit more level of trust of your players because they could hand you their character sheet and then switch something on their character sheet at home and you're not checking everyone's single role like is that a plus two he has to his role or not like you don't check that for everybody's role uh, but in real life you can be like let me see your character sheet wait a second you made a mistake here or whatever the heck's going on right a little harder to do online and but you know something that I like about online is that I have to make my roles publicly. It makes it difficult for fudging dice, which is something that I don't do as a player, but other players do it. It bothers me. So it's cool when everything's public. Like, there it is. You rolled a 12. It said so. Oh, yeah. No, that is a big thing on roll 20 because as a player, you have, when you roll, everyone can see what you rolled and you can see the number added to it. And it just cuts down on the possibility of people cheating, which, you know, is never a good thing to talk about. But we do see, you know, you post on Reddit occasionally and discussions about people potentially cheating, suspecting other players of cheating. They'll do the thing where they roll the dice and they immediately pick it up to look at the number. Or maybe there's using dice where you can't see the number very yeah. well. The color of the dice and the color of the number just conflict and aren't very visible. That's never a problem online. Everything's digital. You can see what's happening at all points. Right. I mean, there's times when I was playing with you as my GM and I'd roll and I'd say the number and, and like if I rolled really well or something, I'd like have to tr- figure like I have to prove myself to to make sure that nobody knows I'm cheating. Like, no, really, they're looking, it's a 19. You're like, Caleb, I believe you. But I'm like, yeah, 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 but it looks like I'm cheating and I'm not cheating. And I'm not. <laughs> um, but in and also like that, I like when GMs who at least say that I'm going to go by what the dice rolls say. Uh, I think it's fine. And we'll actually talk about in our episode. In two episodes from now, 210 Jimming Philosophies, how I believe uh, what control you should have over the dice and what control the dice have over you as a GM. But if somebody says, I want to go by what the dice say, now they roll it on, t- on roll 20 and it makes it more difficult for them to fudge. And to note, you can roll secretly on, I know at least on roll 20, you can make secret rolls, you as a DM, you don't have to do your roll openly. Um, but I really like to, because unlike in real life, if you roll secretly and roll 20, the players get no feedback. You're just saying a number. Mm-hmm. As compared to real life, you know, they can see that you're rolling a dice behind the screen. And they at least know you're doing something and not just saying numbers. And, you, and a, pl- a player can specifically roll uh, to the DM in secret. So if you need them to make like a secret will save or something like that, that's possible. And it's necessary because there are roles that whatever your philosophies on GMing are have to be made in secret. When somebody makes a sense motive role, you've got to roll in secret. And that's actually a big advantage I think online has. Doing things in secret is so much easier when you can just message them. You know, in real life, it's really hard to do something secret because, like, you have to pass that player a note. Yeah. uh, If, like, someone's making a will save or, like, a succubus is trying to charm them or you have to say, hey, come with me, let's go talk in the other room. And everyone's like, oh, something secret's going on. I want (laughs) to... 
And <laughs> then your players have to try not to metagame that something happened. Whereas, you know, on roll 20, they can pick up a sword that ends up being cursed. And instead of like saying immediately make a will save, you can just whisper them like you hear this voice in your head, mm. make a will save, and they can roll it to you secretly. And none of the play- other players have any idea that that transpired. And you know, uh, on, on several times I've had to talk to my players individually, it's easy to just hang up on the other guy. Like, all right, Dom, I gotta hang up for you for like a couple minutes. All right, hang up and then just talk to David personally. I've done that several times on Trailblazers. Matter of fact, our last episode when they were being interrogated, um, I had to do that because they were being interrogated individually and I didn't want them to know what each other said. If we were in real life, I could come back downstairs. All right, John, come up here. Billy, go back down there and do it upstairs. Come back down. Yada, yada, yada. I hope they didn't hear. Or do what you and I did. It was where we went secretly. I would just shout out words that made no sense. Like all of a sudden, like Nazis and stuff like that. And they come downstairs like, why are we talking about the Nazis? I'm like, well, I guess you'll never know. (laughs) The biggest change for me, honestly, is just not having that human to human interaction where you have everything available to you. Body language, tone of voice, everything like that. I really like to do that. And there's a sense of camaraderie. I think I'm saying that word correctly. Uh, when you're when you guys are together, you're having fun, you're snacking together. I mean, there's a reason people eat together. It's a it's a fun thing to do that brings people closer together. Uh, and so just sitting around and hanging out together, it's a different vibe. I definitely get a different vibe when I'm playing online, when I'm doing Trailblazers. It's a serious thing. We're talking about characters and all that stuff. And it's just kind of a – it's definitely more gamified. And then when I'm playing with my friends at a table, we're having fun. We're hanging out as well as playing the game, right? And then I almost feel like sometimes we go even deeper when we really get into serious subjects. And then when I'm playing like uh, on Roll20, I'm playing this one game where we all have our, our um, cameras on and we're all like like – if you guys can see my camera, I got a bunch of like Tide and detergent and boxes behind me. So it's not like it doesn't even feel formal. And we're laughing the whole time. It's just a bunch of jokes. And then when I go and play in um, like at the college, that was it's such a relaxed atmosphere. Everything's just differently. And so the setting, not only physically, but when it's online or in real life, really changes just the vibe that you're getting out of each specific game. And I think each campaign is something different to it anyway, regardless of how you're playing it or where you're playing it. So I guess in the end, I do prefer in real life. I, it's worth some of the hassle that it has. I enjoy doing stuff one-on-one or not one-on-one but in person i really really do but you know listen half of my career so far i mean hours wise has been spent online trailblazers has accrued a lot of hours and that's all been online right now the place i am in my life i'm in an area where a lot of the i only have um, a few friends and they're old friends or old like um friends from high school and stuff like that who were never into role playing so i don't have anyone here that really wants to role play with me so i'm playing online it's just where i am in my life right now i also in most aspects prefer playing in real life i just prefer the atmosphere and i have simply had way too much trouble trying to get things to work online because despite all the gameplay preparation and all the things involving pathfinder you have to do you just got to worry about people having good microphones and having a good internet connection oh it's so true i actually had a problem with a campaign i was running online where one of the players it was actually two of the players were together they lived in the same house they had a garbage internet connection and they would just occasionally cut out for 30 minutes to an hour at a time like their internet would just drop and i kind of just had to stop doing that campaign because of it and you know what that just a couple days ago we had players that didn't show up or players that just literally like you were saying had the internet connection kept coming in and out and they showed up late and stuff like that so yeah you're right there is that but you know what? I'll, I'll give online this if i have to cancel a session online it's a lot less upsetting than in person 
if in person one guy just doesn't call or whatever and doesn't show up and we all have to go back home because he never showed up and we just couldn't play on without, without his character for whatever reason, it's so much more upsetting than last minute we're playing and we're you know, an hour away from the online game and somebody messages, hey, my grandmother's in the hospital, I gotta go, can't play tonight. It's a lot less to, uh, trouble to cancel that session. In a similar vein, um, I like something I like to use online for is that if we can't meet in person for some reason, we just transfer the game to online for a session or two. Right. If someone, like, they don't have access to their car for the next week or for any reason they can't make it, like, hey, let's just play online for a session or two and just transfer this campaign over there for a few sessions. I really like doing that personally. Certainly, certainly. Yep, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. All right, guys, I hope you, you guys can learn a little bit about from the things we talked about, some challenges and some benefits of playing online versus in real life. Later on, like I said, we'll cover a play-by-post episode, and you guys can handle that. And maybe even one day in the future, we'll do a LARP episode. <laughs> I look forward <laughs> to that one to see what that one will be. Certainly something not in my wheelhouse. But just like today was a versus episode, next week will be a versus episode. We're going to do pre-mades versus homebrew campaigns. That's going to be interesting, especially because I have a lot of um, I have a lot of experience with homebrew, and Christian has a lot of experience with pre-mades. So we're really going to come at something with a lot of background into it. So it should be interesting. Tune in next week for that. But as for this week, thanks for listening, and class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our site, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? You can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening.